1: Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood feminist. feminist. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives.
0: Yes. And today's topic, we're going to be talking about black buying power, Woo-hoo. which is when people have asked me, which several have, like, what we're going to be doing this week, and I've said that, they're kind of like, what? Like, what yeah. do you mean? And so I've had to kind of explain what I mean by that. It seems
1: pretty self-explanatory you to me. Like... The power that black people have in buying.
0: Right. And (laughs) the reason why I wanted to talk about this is because...
1: And you've been wanting to talk about this for a while. For a while. I think
0: I put it on our list last February or like at the end of February. I feel
1: like it was... Yeah. It was like right away. Yeah. When we started the show.
0: Yeah. I think it was because... Last year, I didn't do it because we were coming to the end of Black History Month. Yeah. And I was like, but I still want to do that topic. So yeah. we, we sat on it until this year. And the reason why I wanted to do it and put it on that list is because I was watching, I got really into, and still pretty into, watching like beauty influencers on YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Just because I find something soothing about like watching people do their makeup and. And stuff like that. So I was watching a beauty influencer named uh, Jackie Aina. And she's like a dark-skinned black woman. And she was talking about how much money black women in particular spend in the beauty industry. Yeah. And how we're still basically begging for crumbs. Like, they still cater to white audiences. Yeah. Even though black women spend so much money. Yeah. And so, you know, I really respect that she puts her money behind brands that she feels like are supportive of her people. And yeah.
1: Well, and that's something we'll talk about, that the Black community in particular want to get behind brands that have more of a social message mm-hmm. behind them. Yep. Um, and They
0: value values.
1: They value values. Yeah. And it's interesting how we're going to talk a little bit about how there's like a cool factor Yeah, uh, where once the black community starts buying something it's like suddenly that it becomes everybody mainstream everybody wants to buy everybody it everybody wants it yeah
0: and i think it's i do think it's interesting how even with all of that mm-hmm. even with the obvious benefit of not only catering to black people, which obviously there's a huge benefit there, but to people of color in general, that white seems to be the default anyway. Um, and well, I remember... Because I think it's
1: going to take, especially with makeup, I feel like it's going to take a long time to change. And there has, I feel like there have been a lot of changes, but I feel like there's still a lot of um, kind of like whitewashing that happens mm-hmm. in society. So I feel like... It's just one of it just bleeds over into the makeup world a little bit. Um yeah, and I don't know. Like there are
0: brands like Almay and Neutrogena where I'm like it doesn't matter to me. I don't know which one she's a spokesperson for, but I'm like it doesn't matter to me if you put Kerry Washington in your ads. I don't I think it might be Neutrogena for makeup because for so long I haven't even looked in those sections. Like I've not yeah. looked in Almay, I've not looked in Neutrogena because I'm like I'm not going to find something for my skin tone, and I'm fairly light skin. Yeah, and I'm. But it's a
1: specific skin tone, right? And it's fine. It's a. And if I do find something, you're not super light. You're not super dark. Right, and if
0: I do find something that like is kind of the right shade, it's going to make me look ashy because the undertone is wrong. Where you can see in their marketing that they have, you know, (laughs) ten. White colored shades that all have different undertones and yeah. kind of like cater to a variety of white people because, as we know, white is not a default. Black is not a default. We're not homogenous like yeah. that. There's there's so many different there's nuances. Nuances. Yeah. Um. So just to kind of elaborate on Jackie Ina, she kind of, not got into hot water, but she kind of, like, went viral in the beauty community world Uh because she went on, like, a several Snapchat page rant, kind of, about this woman who was the CEO of It Cosmetics, Jamie Kern Lima, who... I like it, it Cosmetics. I see the issue there. Like, I have their CC cream, but I'm one of I'm like the second darkest shade that they have. Yeah. Which is crazy. Yeah. You this know, is that, that eliminates a lot of people. Yeah. But so she won this award, the CEO of It Cosmetics. She won a Cosmetic Executive Woman Award. And she was basically, when she accepted her award, kind of touting It Cosmetics as being. A brand for diversity because yeah. she's a plus size woman and she's like I didn't feel welcome in the beauty community because I wasn't oh, a certain size.
1: But she's forgetting a whole other demographic.
0: A whole other and and I understand that and I think that's totally valid. But I also understand Jackie Ina kind of getting up in arms about saying like, oh, I'm for diversity whenever half of the population and a significant number of the um, consumers for beauty products can't even purchase your complexion products. Yeah.
1: I just find it really interesting in general, even branching out from beauty, because a lot of my research doesn't necessarily revolve around the beauty industry. Um, I just find it really interesting the, the things that the majority of the Black consumers are buying. Well, first of all, let's start up with saying that the black consumers are responsible for $1.2 trillion in purchases annually. Mm -hmm. And this was back in 2017 that I I was reading. Oh, yes. Trillion. That's right. Yeah. And in some cases, black consumers make up to 50% of overall spending. So if you look at a Nielsen study, they're saying 38% of black consumers between 18 and 34 and 41% of 35 and over expect the brands they buy to support social causes. Mm -hmm. And 50.18% or four, oh my God, so many numbers. Numbers, numbers, or, numbers. <laughs> $472 million go to dry grains and vegetables. Mm-hmm. Fifty Over 50% yeah. of dry grains and vegetables are, are bought purchased by, by black, black consumers. People. I would like to know if
0: there's like a historical context behind why that is. Is it maybe like types of food they
1: make i'm sure yeah maybe but... white people are lazy and they just buy well actually i shouldn't say because they also um have a big number of frozen meals i was gonna say maybe white people are lazy and just order yeah but no meals. yeah um 42.76 percent or 817 million dollars on baby food 41.64 percent or 1.3 billion dollars goes towards soap and bath products right and then 38.3 nine percent or 774.1 million goes for air fresheners and deodorizers. And the other top industries or products that we see are ethnic hair and beauty products, mm-hmm. which is about... $54.4 million out of $63.5 million. And we've seen
0: a very large uptick in that as, mm-hmm. like, the natural hair movement has kind of grown. And if you yeah. watch the movie, which I haven't seen it in a long time, but if you watch the movie Good Hair, which I think Chris Rock did about, like, the black hair industry, it's also very interesting because I think a lot of black women, um, probably my family included, who relied on a specific type of black hair product, because there's ones that you'll
1: find in almost every black home. Well, yeah, and it's literally, like, if you look, there's a tiny little section. There's only so many options. It it is growing
0: now. Like, there's almost an entire aisle at at our Target now, which is really cool. But what you'll find is that these products that we have grown up thinking are, like, these are black products, have been bought out by larger beauty companies and are kind of, like, secretly white-owned now. So I think a lot of black people, because... You do see that there are a large percentage of Black people who do consciously try to put their money back into Black-owned businesses. Yes, and so they may be trying to do that without even realizing that that company is now Isn't. part of a larger corporation right. that's owned by white people now. Yeah. So you're spending billions
1: of dollars in like yeah. in Black hair care yeah. that's going outside of your community. I personally love. Those hair products, I use a conditioner that is for uh, curly, dry hair mm-hmm. because my hair is so dry and it's got, like, tea tree oil in it and a lot of other things that it's... because Black people know moisture. They do. Yeah. Like, my hair is so damaged mm-hmm. all the time. So, if I want my hair to look somewhat normal, I use that. And then I used to use, like, a some oil that I would always have to go to, like, the quote-unquote black section right, of Right, exactly, for, yeah. Because, like, living in Minnesota, and then also living in L.A., which is really dry as well, my hair is just, like, And you know what? You bring moisture. up an
0: interesting point when you talk about how you, a white person, are going into the quote-unquote black section of Target yeah. to buy things. There was, uh, in one of the articles I read, there was, they were making a point about, how black women don't necessarily want, or black people don't necessarily want their beauty products to be separated. Yeah. They don't want to have to go to a special ethnic-only aisle to find to find something that they're
1: looking for. No, I completely agree, because I think that good hair is kind of a universal thing that all women and men, you know, want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I don't feel like it ne- necessarily needs to be separated. I feel like it needs to be um, brought to the attention of the people who need it who aren't aware of those products for their natural hair and things right. like that. Yeah, I don't mind you that, don't that it's want it highlighted. not lost in the mix. Exactly. I don't you know mind I mean? that it's highlighted to me that,
0: you know, black people made these products because yeah. that does make, that says something to me about, like, this is going to work better for me yeah, because they understand my needs in the way that, like, I grew up using Suave or whatever yeah. that just stripped my hair. Yeah, And then I wondered, like, why does my hair not look good, <laughs> yeah. you
1: know? Exactly. Because I
0: was using white hair care yeah, products. Yeah, so there's
1: there's kind of, like, a, a pro and con to that that's really interesting. Right, yeah.
0: And so I see it from both perspectives. I see... I see not wanting to be completely segregated and feeling like you're completely othered or if you're in, we're in Los Angeles, so yes, we have like almost an entire, like half of an aisle that's yeah. all quote unquote black hair care products, but I could see how you could feel very othered if you were in somewhere that's not majority black and then you're having to go to the one the tiny little yeah, corner strip, yeah. you
1: know, of section. Mm-hmm. So the other top selling things in the black community would be women's fragrances, where they spend about 152 million dollars out of 679 million dollars men's toiletries, soap and bath needs, then frozen meals. I They're
0: found it, those are the
1: top sellers.
0: And I found it interesting that a lot of these articles that I read, you know, a lot of them came out of the Nielsen studies, mm-hmm. so they were all kind of similar information, yeah. but I did like how It was very um, clear. You know, black women especially, I feel like, get called out constantly for being too loud and too opinionated. But it's actually the fact that they're loud and opinionated that's getting them... Uh, the kind of attention that they need and to spotlight products. products and the products yeah.
1: they need too, mm-hmm.
0: because um, they're that, very vocal on social media. They're
1: yes. utilizing social media in a way that other people well, have and not that's done. That's what's interesting is they say that black consumers are more likely than non-Hispanic white peers to interact with brands on social media and support company brands. It's actually up to like 44%. Yeah. And that I think is really powerful because it's the power of, um, like the word, pretty much. Right. You're not putting your trust in like a brand necessarily. You're putting trust in like an influencer or a person because typically on social media, that's how their ads work. Mm-hmm. And like we said, the cause is really important to the Black community. Right. When because they want to know where their money's going. Which I mean, why wouldn't you want to put money back into your own community to then make it more powerful? Right. And if you're not
0: putting money back into your own community, you at least want to be supporting brands who see you. Yeah. Because I know that, and I own some Tarte products, but Tarte came under fire recently because they released... So, if you watch any, like, beauty channels, you will know that, like, for a very long time, the Tarte, like, Shape Tape Concealer was, like, a thing that everybody used. It was okay. a very big deal. And they said they were going to release a Shape Tape foundation line. And when they released it, it caused such a controversy because there were, like, what, like, three or four dark shades? And people were like, everyone was waiting for this lunch. Everybody yeah. wanted to use this. And then if you went back and looked at tarts like social media, there are very few women of color represented in yeah. general. So social media has kind of been a way to be able to keep brands accountable when they do something like Engage that. Engage it, yeah, yeah. When they do something like that, it's like, you may have been able to get away with this before, where you can't now because yeah. you're under public scrutiny, and when they do things like they did, where like Tarte went and started like removing comments, disabling the comments, mm. that blew up even further. Yeah, it's
1: like, why are you trying to silence it? And What's then,
0: your deal? and then a lot of beauty influencers who clearly have a lot of influence. Yeah. Uh stopped using Tart altogether. So it and now had your a negative sales are gonna plummet. It had a negative impact. Yeah. I mean, with a company like that, it's like they're still gonna make money, like no matter what. But but a
1: certain demographic is no longer gonna but be a part of we it. We
0: have visibility now on the fact that we're not being catered to and we can do something about it that we couldn't do in the past. Well, and I
1: mean, look at the companies that do really, really great things, especially with makeup. Like, I think about Rihanna's Fenty line. Oh, yeah, that blew the lid off. That blew up. Because, and that made it so popular and people were so moved and happy. It's like, why wouldn't you want to be a company that caters to everybody? Right, yeah. There is something really perplexing
0: about that. I have a quote here from... A Huffington Post article that says, mm. despite black women's dollars holding so much power, they often go overlooked. When it comes to consumerism, 63% of black women agree that they are willing to pay more for high quality items, 12% higher than non Hispanic white women, yet they are often let out of marketing campaigns for top brands. Yeah. In most health and beauty product categories, black women over index white women for dollars per buyer and buying households, the report stated noting a considerable shift to natural hair products. Nielsen advises that this is because it's wise for these brands to diversify their product lines. Yeah,
1: well, and I, I read, too, in an article where it's saying that it's a critical time right now for companies to start building and sustaining deeper and meaningful relationships mm-hmm. yes. with black consumers because it's not only to grow their relationship, but to, like, protect them and their relationship with them as well. Like, it really doesn't hurt a company to become more diverse in this day and age. It just doesn't. Right. It doesn't
0: hurt them. And in fact, I read, and this came out of that Nielsen study as well, and this is from Andrew McCaskill, who's the senior vice president of global communications and multicultural marketing uh, for Nielsen. That's a mouthful. He said, uh, when it comes to African-American consumer spend, there are millions, sometimes billions of dollars in revenue at stake. With 43% of the 75 million millennials in the United States identifying as African-American, Hispanic, or Asian, if a brand doesn't have a multicultural strategy, it doesn't have a growth strategy. So it's really perplexing. Uh, The only thing I can think of is that these people are so old and white and the systems of power that have been going on for so long have been unchanged for so long that they don't, they have a hesitancy to change Mm -hmm. because if almost half of, which that makes sense, almost half of the millennials in this country identify as something other than white, then it makes sense that people are
1: going to want to see products that represent them. them. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting because the growth in black buying power kind of stems in part from um, also black businesses Mm -hmm. being started, especially um, like female black businesses. Women-owned businesses, yes. And so... Black female-owned businesses grew 67% from 2007 to 2012, Mm -hmm. and that's a higher rate than the general population of women in the United States. Right. So I have this
0: chart, which we'll put up on our Instagram along with the episode, that says that black... So black women, there are a number of, like firms the number of firms for black women-owned businesses is 67 Mm -hmm. percent non-hispanic white women is 13 percent so think about that difference 67 percent to 13 percent yeah and then the total female is 27 percent total so the vast vast majority majority of 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 women are black women and i actually see that a lot in fact i'm wearing a head wrap right now that this is from a black Female owned business. Yeah. Uh, because they saw a hole in the marketplace and they went and they filled it. And they it. get
1: it. They yeah. They get what you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And
0: they're also, I mean, I, when I was doing research for this, black buying power is also such a big deal because, like, the most educated group in the United States right now is black women.
1: Yeah, because the education is on the rise. Right,
0: for black people in general. Yeah. But black women in particular, the they're the most educated group in the United States. Ooh. So they are also very capable of starting yeah. these businesses and following through with them uh, in a way that I don't see in a lot of other cultures necessarily. Yeah.
1: Well, and it's interesting, too, when we look at... Because a lot of the articles that I started reading... Yeah. We're talking about the difference between spending and wealth. Right. And where that kind of differs. Those and are the first are, ones that come up when you Google. It yeah. is. And it, that was really fascinating to me. And a lot of people are calling it like the black buying power myth, which I don't think myth is the right word for well, it. Well, I think that there's
0: two aspects to black buying power. I think that there's the aspect that we've been discussing, which is the power of the black dollar and and the way that they've kind of decided to move through it as a... Community. Right. And then I think there's the other side of that, which is, I think is what you're talking about, which is people saying black people have all of this money that they can exactly. like, utilize in a certain way. But a lot of black people are sometimes like living beyond their means. So exactly. it doesn't necessarily mean that they are wealthy people, but those
1: dollars are being spent either way. Exactly. They're saying that wealth does not equal income, but right. net worth. So it would be assets like assets minus your liabilities which mm-hmm. is what you owe and they say wealth is not what you make but what you keep right because if you're making money but you're kind also of like spending me, it like, i don't make that much money but i have to spend a lot of money to live i right. have bill, you know i don't have good insurance i have to pay for my car like there's i have to pay for rent there's all these things that i'm throwing away so at the end of the month i don't really have much money left i mean you know and what I mean?
0: if we look at the statistics that we looked at earlier which is that black women are more likely to spend money on luxury items well not every single black person who's spending money on luxury items necessarily has the money to be doing that so right. while the black dollar is still super important and you should be catering towards to them because Whether or not they have the money or not, they're buying these products. But do you know
1: why they have to buy luxury products? Because those are the only ones that are catering to what they need.
0: I will say, like, I will say, whenever I started trying to take better care of my hair, like, as a black person and buying products that were specific for natural hair types... It got so much more expensive. Yeah.
1: I can go to CVS right now and find a foundation. That's fine for me. Right. Exactly. You know I mean? like, Whereas if I'm I buying Fenty, cheaper. which
0: I have on my face right now.
1: It looks great. Thank you
0: very much. But if I am buying Fenty, it's $45 a bottle or exactly. something like that. As opposed to, you know, if you are middle of the road white, you can find anything you want. And I shouldn't... I'm not going to complain too much about myself. I chose to buy Fendi. I like it a lot. I can find things that match me in the drugstore. But there are a lot um, of people who can't. Who can't. Yes. Yeah.
1: There's a lot, a lot, a lot.
0: And before you come at us in the comments, because (laughs) this always comes up, always, always, I know that there's a segment of the population who are white, 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 who can't find their shade in the drugstore either. And that's an issue, sure. Like, and brands should be more inclusive in both directions. But that's not... I don't feel like that is a direct result of systemic racism. It isn't. You know what I but mean? But I
1: do believe that it still falls under the scale of diversity in general. Right. Because there there should be, especially when it comes to makeup, there should be the widest of varieties, or at least we should be striving for the right. widest of varieties. So like when we're talking about Fenty,
0: because that's the one that comes up a lot. That's mm-hmm. the one where people are like, she changed the game. There were brands that had 40 shades before Fenty came out. Yeah. But what Fenty did differently is I saw a lot of videos of women who were maybe like albino, which is a very different undertone yeah. than just like regular white who yep. were finally like, "Oh, I'm able to find a shade that matches me because it yeah. matches my undertone." So she did something um really cool.
1: Her scale was so large. It
0: was huge and yeah. she accounted for such a wide variety of like differences. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. And it is interesting, like black income really, it has grown over the last 70 years, but so has spending. And a lot of people are like, well, how can they spend so much if their income isn't so big? And a lot of it is by using credit, credit cards. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is by using credit. And it's like, it's one of those things that I feel like uh, people can be really hard on others for spending money on themselves when they don't have a lot of money. Right. Like, I just bought a dog. I have to take her to the vet a lot. I have to buy a lot of new products. Like, I'm spending a lot of money right now, but I also still want to, like feel good about myself of and, like, course treat myself so like mm-hmm. i went on the sales section of urban outfitters yesterday and bought a couple t-shirts because it's gonna make me feel good did and i have to spend that money no i did not but i did it anyways
0: it's kind of something that we touched on when we talked about self-care right yeah. where we don't want to allow people who are lower middle class to lower class to do anything that's kind of maybe that seems frivolous yeah to the rest of us them. right in a way that like If I spend money I don't have, no one's judging me, you know, in the same way.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And again, not that they're forced to buy these products, but we live in a society, because very often I will see people commenting on maybe black women who choose to wear wigs or weaves, which is wildly expensive. It is. It's insanely expensive. Yeah. Um... But they criticize them or they'll even go so far as to say, like, this is somehow cultural appropriation of white culture. And it's like, this is the pressure of assimilation. And it's so expensive to assimilate. People have jobs in offices where they are highly encouraged, if not outright told, that their hair needs to look a certain way. And in order to maintain that, they are spending thousands and thousands of dollars on hair.
1: there is a scene in Dance Moms like that (laughs) where Nia has braids in her hair and Abby's like yelling at her mom for letting her have the braids and she's like, well, that's what her hair looks like. Because she always has to have it like super straightened and stuff.
0: Yeah, I mean, which causes a lot of damage. So people choose to wear wigs, but in order to wear Because then you fall into another trap of, like, if you have a bad wig, you look, quote-unquote, ghetto. If you have um, a really good wig, like a Beyonce-style wig, and you've spent thousands of dollars on that, then you are judged for making that choice. So it's... It's a difficult thing. We've kind of put people into this box where we're like, why are you spending money you don't have on these products when you've told us that we have to assimilate to look a certain way. And that's a
1: lot of the criticism that I read on a lot of these websites where they're like almost criticizing the black community for purchasing all of these things. But like, if you know, if you've ever had a meaningful conversation with someone who's a person of color, like if you're a white person having Mm -hmm. any sort of conversation or are just... Aware at all to the media around you, you know how difficult it is to right. find products that are suitable for you.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, and this is a bigger subject about like the yeah. beauty industry in general. Right. Um, the way that it markets towards women, we've all been told and sold this idea. As someone who like enjoys putting money and time and energy into the way I look, just as something that I enjoy, I I'm not blind. To the fact that we've all been sold this idea that we need to present ourselves a certain way to yeah. the world to be accepted. And because of that, women spend so much more money than men yeah. on maintaining our appearance. And you can judge women for doing that and say, like, you don't need to do X, Y, Z. Her roots are showing she hasn't gotten her nails done right. in a while.
1: What she's wearing, yeah, there's but a lot of But you're going
0: things. to judge us if we don't do it. Because and you're we, judge us if we do. Uh, yeah, because we've set this expectation that this is what women are supposed to do. And we've set this expectation that this is what black women are supposed to do. Yeah. So it's kind of a damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. And I know also, talking about kind of branching out from just black women, black men as well, it might not be the same thing as like as far as beauty products, but I know in the black community, there's a lot of pressure to look good in what you wear, in what you drive. Yeah,
1: well, and they also say, um, like, male grooming products, Mm -hmm. like male toiletries were one of the top.
0: Yeah, well, men, black men have to spend far more on maintaining their hair and facial hair than white men do. Yeah, Um, There's
1: a lot of fads, I feel like, that white men, like, absorb that has a different connotation when a black man takes... On some of those trends, you know what I mean. Yeah, it is interesting how we expect black men. I feel like so much to assimilate to white, like a, a certain standard of white culture, right? You know well what I mean. Very clean cut things like it, that. It's how they. Seen.
0: It's how they maintain. It's how they're able to not come across as being scary. Exactly. Right. That's what like. I was just about to say. Yeah, they, they need, need to need wear to, a suit. They need to drive a nice car. They need to speak a certain way because if they don't, then they're scary. They're scary black yeah. men. and I know also like. My grandma used to say, and I think I said it on this podcast before, um, she had five sons. Yeah. And she pressed everything. She pressed their pants. She pressed their underwear. Because they had she, to look good. They walked, they wore little suits. They walked through stores Single file silently because she knew that the microscope on five black boys in a store or wherever they were going was so much greater. And I, I think mean, that you could that
1: behave perfectly and be dressed appropriately and still be scrutinized and still be
0: accused of something. Yeah. So I think that that mentality is very ingrained in black culture, yeah, where we have to look put together yeah. all the time to avoid being called like ghetto or ratchet or for men being, um, accused of maybe doing something, you yeah. know, or seen as criminal. It's scary. hmm yeah, yeah.
1: It is really unfortunate. And then it's also where you, you see that flip side, and now we're kind of talking about clothing, but if you see the flip side where a lot of, like, a, a cultural appropriation goes yes. on, like, I remember when I was in high school, there was, like, a big theme of, like, super white, quote-unquote, ghetto people wearing, like, the, um... I can't even remember what the brand was called. It had a fucking like rhinoceros on it. Yeah. Uh, we talked about this before. I can't yeah, remember I can't, either, but I know what I you're talking something. about. I don't know. But, you know, the, they kind of took on a lot of, like, black Affect. culture. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, and that kind of leads us into something else that was found in these studies, which is that black people set the trends. They do. Right?
1: Like... Yeah. There's actually... There's a really great quote that I have here in the beginning of my notes, uh, that says our research shows that the black consumer has a cool factor that has created a halo effect, influencing, influencing not just consumers of color but the mainstream as well. And that is Cheryl Grace, who's the. This is another long title, Senior VP of United States Strategic Community Alliances and Consumer Engagement. <sighs> 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 wow! Like, girl, how do you say your job title? Her all the signature time? must be awesome on her email.
0: Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, so that's something else that's interesting, and I think it kind of plays hand-in-hand with when we had our cultural appropriation episode, which was basically talking about how black people set the trends, but they don't become trendy until they're seen on, like, white bodies, Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden they're trendy. Like, I remember a few years ago, and I know Katy Perry did something where she had, like, colored cornrows and, like, a grill in, and it was very offensive. Yeah. Um, But... I remember around that time, this whole like baddie culture was coming in, which is something that you see a lot in Black and Latina cultures, which is like you know overlined lips, long nails, big hoops, hoops, yeah, yeah, like lots of gold, something that says your name on it, you know, things like that was were coming into the mainstream for white people, like baby hairs and And stuff like that. And now it's cool. And now it's cool. And. If that was on a black body, you would immediately call that girl ratchet or ghetto or whatever. But the truth still stands that it's black people that made that trendy. So it's black people that's making Gucci money or like whatever. Whoever is deciding that this is now a high fashion trend. Yeah. Which, again, is like, why are you ignoring black people? You shouldn't be ignoring black people. You should be be hiring them. them. Right? Like, hire them to set your trends.
1: Yeah. It doesn't make any sense. You want to make more money? I mean, I wrote in the bottom, the very end of my notes, it says, Black women influence economy. Yes. They do. I mean, black men, too. But, like, especially when it comes to the beauty industry of all facets, Black women are one of the most hev- heavy, are the heaviest influencers. Wow, I can't speak. Right, uh, and yeah. when they stand people on social media, they stand them hard. Like
0: I was reading an article that I was basically, I hated too, way. but yes, but I was reading an article that was basically like there are so many people on social media or in our like consciousness or zeitgeist now probably including the Kardashians, that Mm. wouldn't have existed without the constant affirmation from black women. Yeah. You know, because they were constantly backing them. Because when black people support somebody... They're generally pretty loyal to that, which is why everyone's afraid of Beyonce fans. (laughs) Right. Well, it's
1: interesting because another Cheryl Grace quote says, Black women have strong, life-affirming values that spill over into everything they do. The celebration of their power and beauty is reflected in what they buy, watch, and listen to, and people outside their communities find it inspiring. Yeah, it's black girl magic. Like, that's
0: what that means. So when people would get, like, offended by the phrase, like, black girl magic, that's what it is. And it's, it's taken decades to develop, which is something that... Uh, frustrates me when people get offended by that because that kind of confidence was born out of adversity like that kind of confidence was born out of constantly being told you're not beautiful enough yeah. or white enough and you you don't have european beauty um standards you don't live up to that
1: yet they still have the confidence that right. they right so black women
0: looked in on their own community and they were like we're gonna start telling each other we're beautiful we're gonna start making products for us specifically because nobody is here to fill that gap for us. Yeah. So we're
1: going to do it ourselves. Yeah. And that's like, that's what black girl magic is. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Know your hashtags. Know the history of your hashtags. Yeah. I do have another good quote. Okay, cool. Hit me. Um, it says, understanding how black women's value affect their buying decisions has long been a marketing necessity. Now marketers must Also recognize the intercultural influence of Black women on a general market as an increasingly vital part of how all women see themselves, their family, and the rest of the world. So it it just kind of mirrors what the first quote said, but I feel like it is interesting because like that kind of goes into representation Mm -hmm. so much, and I feel like when a community feels represented, they go hardcore fans over it. Like look at Princess and the Frog, the Disney movie, right? And look at Black, look at Black
0: Panther. Black Panther.
1: I feel like black people, if we're going to start going
0: into the black dollar in other aspects outside of, like, clothing and yeah. and makeup, I feel like forever white CEOs of networks and companies have said that black doesn't sell. Yeah. Um, which is so clearly not true. And even if you say that it doesn't sell overseas, that's this or that, but in the United States— Black does sell. Yeah, it has always sold. It has sold across sports. It has sold across entertainment. It has always sold across yeah. entertainment.
1: and that's something I feel like too um, is like like curvy and fat sells too. Like mm-hmm. I feel like that's starting to come to the forefront as well. Like I love Airy for what they do. They could be. I mean, they they were they were scrutinized because while they did have kind of a vast array of like non airbrushed models, there weren't any really like really heavy Mm -hmm. girls, so some people still didn't feel represented, but I feel like the things that we've always assumed wouldn't sell, you know, you're always selling to these rail-thin hangers of models, right? you know what I mean, and white models, right? that we don't think about the larger demographic and how powerful it can be.
0: And I would actually say that I think that probably black women especially, Mm -hmm. um, and, Maybe also Latina women, but I would say definitely Black women have been at the forefront of the body positivity movement. Yeah, before it was actually called like a body positivity movement. Like I remember thick, thick Black women always being proud of being thick. Yeah. You know, at a time. now
1: look at the Kardashians. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs)
0: At a time when it was not accepted as like a cultural norm or like culturally, um, societally beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. So I would say that they were kind of launching that movement before it was ever something that we had a hashtag for. I agree. Which is really cool. I think that they, it's, again, it's that confidence. Like, I feel like black women especially have this confidence and that's what sells. Like, yeah. that's what they're able to do. Yeah. Um, as well, far and as, they like, Also, sales.
1: there's such a, just a strong community. We've talked about this before on other episodes where it's something about there's less of a competition um, aspect when it comes to Black women, especially supporting each other. Right. Where with white women, there's very much like a competition. Only so many can be at the top. Exactly. Where we
0: call each other sisters. You know what I mean? Like that is. It's a community. It's a community. Yeah, it's that family So if one
1: succeeds, you all succeed. I think we talked about that when we were talking about Oprah. Yeah. Maybe I can't remember, but I know we talked about before. Oh, yeah, we were because she she started at she was working at like a news station and with Gail, with Gail, yeah. And then seeing each other, like the black community backed her up so much because they really because if she succeeded, they succeeded, they succeeded as well. And I feel like that's something that isn't very popular in especially white culture because that's the only other culture that I I mean that's the only culture I really know Mm because it's mine. But um, I feel like there is a lot more competition involved.
0: Yeah, there's a really beautiful sisterhood, I feel like. And, you know, I'd be interested in looking at the historical context of that. Like black sisterhood? Yeah, black sisterhood and and also just black community. Yeah. Because I think what people don't understand a lot of the time, whenever people are like, why can't we be proud of being white or whatever? The reason why people say, and I feel like I've talked about this before, but the reason why people say that they're proud of being black and they're not more specific than that is because we don't know where we came from. Like, we...
1: Well, and I feel like when you're talking about the sense of community, I feel like that really goes back to slavery. Right, exactly. You know, we had to build a community. always been pride being white because we've always had the power historically. So, the community and the power and the confidence has had to come within your community. It wasn't just given to you. Well, like and it no was one no one is
0: saying that you can't be proud of being Irish. Like no one is saying that you can't be proud of being American even. Like yeah. no one is saying any of that. But the reason why black people say they're proud of being black is because we don't have anything more specific than that. We are just black. Like black yeah. Americans are black Americans. We can't trace necessarily our heritage back to one tribe or one country because we all came over and were thrown together and it erased there was no record keeping. a huge amount of our history. Yeah. So black people are just black people. And I think that that has made um, this community stronger
1: Yeah.
0: Um, because they don't have those same kind of divisions. Now, like we can get into talking about and should eventually, it's been on our list for a very long time. We haven't forgotten to do an episode on colorism. Yeah that of course exists like within the black community and if we're talking about consumerism I think especially within like beauty communities there is some light skin privilege of course definitely that happens I am able again to find my shade in somewhere in the drugstore, whereas somebody who's three, four, five shades darker than me is going to have a much more difficult time. Yeah. Uh, But I think in general, black people have been able to kind of band together in a really inspiring way, especially black women. And get shit done. Like, black women are so... I love that this Black History Month, we were able to spotlight black girl magic in such a great way. Because black women are so cool.
1: They're cool and incredible. And like, I feel like black people are very cool. Yeah. And like, and that's the thing that you think about stereotypes when it comes to black workers, Latino workers, all that kind of stuff. There is this weird stereotype of them being lazy or not working as hard where I would actually, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say it's the opposite.
0: I I agree too. I, man, honestly, you cannot call black people lazy in in a general sense because I feel like black people work very they work especially black women for them to own as many businesses as they do when they yeah. had to work how much harder than your average white man yep to get to
1: that level of success exactly. and they still did it and a yeah. huge number they didn't quit they yeah Didn't stop they yeah kept doing it yeah and now the numbers are growing and growing and growing because if one person does it another person does it and there's this butterfly effect that keeps going and I think it's so important yeah
0: me too so there was one other thing I kind of wanted to touch on. I don't have a lot of notes on it, but Anthony had sent me a video of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, and I feel like maybe just touching on this very briefly, uh-huh. and we can maybe talk about it again in, like, a, a mini-episode. Um, when we're talking about black dollars, I feel like things have changed slightly in regards to marijuana becoming decriminalized. Yeah. And, made legal in some areas where that market has been so overtaken by white people with yeah. something that was kind of it traditionally criminalized. criminalized and traditionally in a negative sense yeah. seen as being something that black people or Latino people do. Yeah, Um And now has become this crazy booming business where I think something like 67%, don't quote me on those numbers, of legalized marijuana businesses are owned by white guys, white men in general. And so I just think it's something that's important to kind of like highlight because the communities of color (laughs) that have been criminalized for this behavior for so long are now not even able to benefit.
1: From the legalization. Right. Yeah. uh, (gasps) from the legalization of this thing. So I just kinda wanted to touch on that very briefly. Because that's another I mean especially here in California that is a booming industry. It's huge. It's a yeah. booming industry. Mm-hmm. I went so, to the to weed have, store like, not too
0: long ago and I was and I'm amazed even. I haven't hadn't been in a very long time, but somebody was in town and I was just like let me like take you cuz it's kind of It's cool. It's a touristy thing to yeah. do in in California that you can go into a dispensary. Um so we went there and I was blown away cuz I hadn't been I'd been when it was medical marijuana, but I hadn't been since it was fully legalized. Yeah, I and haven't. And I was even blown away by, like, how much new stuff there is. <laughs> but it's fascinating because, yeah, something that was seen as so, like, again, quote-unquote ghetto or whatever, black people selling weed, Yeah, is now this cool. super hipster yeah. white business. Yeah. Which is interesting yeah just an interesting thing to highlight That
1: nice to think of the show high maintenance i just started watching it oh yeah it's about a white guy who it's really good
0: i would love to look into black owned weed shops i wonder if they that would be a good thing to like support what here. kind of number like in what numbers do those exist yeah um and yeah so i guess that's kind of a good place to end on support black businesses yeah. do your research if there is a black dispensary near you Maybe go support them. Yeah. Like, maybe go check them out uh, if you're into that kind of thing. Yeah. But also, look into black-owned businesses. Everybody should. And and also look into businesses owned by people of color. Like, I found a cosmetics brand that I actually want to buy some stuff from called, I think it's called Cheekbone Cosmetics, and it is a Native American-owned cosmetics (gasps) line. and. (sighs) So start looking into putting money back into these communities, because oftentimes they have amazing
1: products. Yeah. And you're missing out. They know their shit. Yeah, they know their shit. You don't need your fucking Revlon and your L'Oreal. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. (laughs)
0: Also, like, also, like, do your research if you're really trying to support black businesses or you know, women-owned businesses or people of color or owned businesses or small businesses. Yeah. If you're trying, well, small businesses is one thing, but if you're trying to support these other um, facets of the market, just do your research and make sure. (laughs) Because I know Carol's Daughter was a huge natural hair brand that people... For a second, I was
1: like, who's Carol's Daughter?
0: No, it it was a natural hair brand called Carol's Daughter. Is that the one that I use? I have some Carol's Daughter stuff, and I like it a lot, but I remember there was a big uproar in the uh, black community when they sold to L'Oreal. So if you, which is fine, their products are still good. If you like those products, continue to use those products, but if you are actively trying to support a black-owned brand, um, just do your research because that happens a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I don't look, get your money. Like, I am not even opposed to selling to a big corporation. If you're like, I'm done, they're offering me millions of dollars, I'm fine with it. Yeah. And that's totally fine. But yeah, just be conscious of where your money is going. If you
1: want to be conscious, be conscious of it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Oi! I had to pee so bad. <laughs> okay. So let's end this episode. Yeah, let's let's end it. All right, you guys. So if you have any comments about this episode that you want to share, anything that we may have missed, anything that you want to add, uh, if you have any, we just got a coming out story, which is really great. If you guys have coming out stories, we will totally start taking them in now. Yes. Um, if you have any sister solidarity stories, it's yes. been forever since we've had any of those, and they're so much fun to share. Um, you can email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can direct message us and follow us on Instagram at Angry Neighborhood Feminist. You can catch us on Twitter, which I found out I can't even log into Twitter on my phone. It won't let me. What? I okay, don't know. we'll talk about this we'll all talk there. about that later. But you can follow us on Twitter at Yampf Podcast, Y A N F Podcast. You can catch us on Facebook. We have a group and a business page. On our business page, you can even review us. It's super cool. <laughs> uh, also. Don't shy away from reviewing us on iTunes. We super duper duper appreciate it. Uh, Rate us as well. Tell your friends about us. And And, check us
0: out. um, Yeah, guys, listen thank you for going on this journey with us for Black History Month. We had a really great time uh, doing Black History Month this year, as we always do. We're Mm -hmm. really excited to get into Women's History Month next month. Yep. Um, And so we just have some really cool things planned for you moving forward. And I just love whenever we can kind of zero in and focus on uh, topics like this that we don't usually talk about. Yeah. And, and have
1: it be consecutive in episodes Yeah, as well. absolutely. Have one thing kind of bleed into another. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and That's so great. if you have topics that you would like us to talk about for women's history month uh go ahead and send your suggestions to us we're always open we have some ideas for things that we want to talk about but we are always taking uh, a topic episode topic suggestions
1: totally yeah awesome you guys thank you so much and with all that being said we encourage you to to rage on. on bye